So what I learned from that period, you know, is that we really can adapt absolutely to every single situation in life. That the resilience that human being has is extraordinary, you know, and everything really lies within ourselves, both in our heart and in our mind. To, and we can really accomplish every single challenge that is that is put in front of us. This is Errol Muchanovic and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. With just a few days ahead of Christmas and New Year's, it's, it's really time not only to review the past year, but also to gain energy and new hope for the new year, 2021. Very excited to get a topic on board, where you get inspired to understand that you can accomplish every single challenge. Great to have Errol Mojanovic, Deputy Director, Economic Development Officer of the USAID, Bosnia-Herzegovina. So, what is Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life. Right, where should I start? I'm Daniel Ludwig, trainer and leadership coach by profession, and I'm always fascinated to look back in life and turn your life stories in form of a book for other generations to learn from, but also for yourself, a self-reflection and to gain new life energy. It's a challenge itself, and frankly, not everyone has thought of this. As we always think, when we get older, we should write our own life book. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share with others, achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audio book format, capturing the willpower and belief of people during important life-changing decisions. In this podcast episode 33, Errol shared his life story in his life book called Finding Your Full Potential, together with five chapters. We are talking about the time he experienced in Sarajevo ahead of the war in the 90s, but also his life in France for some years before he moved back to Sarajevo. He wants his learning that everything lies in ourselves, both in our heart and in our mind, to spread and inspire others, to know that the human being is capable of so many things. I know Errol since 2014, where we met at the Beirut Marathon, and since that time, catching up annually during the race. It's an inspiring person, for sure, not just active in sports, but also an economic expert in social entrepreneurship, business development for the government and international organizations. The willpower for change, both internationally, but also now in his home in Bosnia-Herzegovina, is proof that personal change starts first with finding your full potential. Hope you get more inspired and energized for the months ahead. Merry Christmas already from my side and enjoy this episode 33 with Errol Mucanovic. All right, here we are. So thank you so much, Errol, for taking the time today on a Friday late afternoon. Thank you. Um, You're currently in the office, right, Errol, uh, in Sarajevo? Yeah, I'm currently in the office in Sarajevo. It has been a very busy week, busy period. So all this week, I was really staying for quite a long time. But that, that's good. I mean, I love the job. I feel extremely high sense of purpose. This is fulfilling me, so I'm fine with that. Perfect. 
I mean, you you sent me today earlier in the morning. You know that has been a very crazy week for you as well. Um, and I know you, and you actually told me that uh, recently again. Um, I know you as someone who is kind of an early bird as well. You know, you like to wake up very early in the morning. So this crazy day today or this week, how was your morning looking like? Look, the, the, the morning, uh, several mornings this week, I was starting my workouts either at 6 or at 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. So meaning getting up between 5 and 6 anytime and uh, preparing, getting ready, because that's the only way I can keep my workout. And then after that, you know, the busy working days have been start starting. So that, that, that's basically how the majority of the weeks in the in the year look for me. So it worked out these days, even in the, on the PC. Exactly, even today. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, so I mentioned that in the intro that I know you for quite a long time, for a couple of years now. Um, we met for the very first time in Beirut, Beirut Marathon. And, you know, and since that time, you know, I saw you almost every year again and again and again. Not just in Beirut, also um, later on a short time in Dubai. Uh, for a short visit and you know we stayed in touch and I thought like you know a couple of months ago yeah, we would be a great podcast guest and it would be very interesting to know what's your life book could look like and that's the reason why I actually reached out to you today um, so let's start directly uh, Errol so first of all are you a book reader do you like to read books love reading so books what type of books uh, when I was less busy, let's say until I graduated in France, so until my age of 25, I was really reading uh, between dozens and hundred plus books per year. And it was mainly around uh, some beautiful uh, books from the Ru Russian literature, you know, uh, then also French literature when I was there, or even in former Yugoslavia, we, we really used to have wonderful writers, one Nobel Prize winner also from literature. So uh, I was reading a lot to that type of book. Then as, as I was growing up, so in France, once again, during my university years, I was reading more and more than books that, that were more about psychology, trying to understand human dynamics, human behavior. I was also reading a lot about, uh, about food, about uh, dietary habits, different, you know, analysis. And mm -hmm. uh, I always tried somehow, how to say, to optimize and not to waste anything, uh, information, energy, processes, whatsoever, you know, and, and everything had to make sense to me. So, you mm -hmm. know, for, for example, when I, as I started exercising quite early in my life on a daily basis or almost when I was 18, even at that time, I tried to put the food uh, habits, dietary habits into as a support of sports practice, you know. So when I started reading more about some long distance sports and practicing them, I also started reading about food, also about motivation and just trying to connect the dots because I was exper ex uh, experimenting that on a daily basis. So I needed also, it was helpful for me to get the mm -hmm. background. So that's the one big part of the, of the answer. Second part is after I started working, literature and books 
surely but slowly became extremely technical and almost strict, strictly related to topics on which I was working. So it was about entrepreneurship, it was about economics, it was about uh, plenty of things related to that. So mm. I was always uh, missing that spontaneous part of reading, you know, where I would catch something that has nothing to do with my different professional activities or hobbies, but it didn't happen for years. <laughs> and I don't know okay. if it will happen when I retire, you know. But okay, at the same time, you know, uh, as I told you, it still makes sense, but yes. sometimes I, I, I'm just missing a little bit more of some spontaneous choices, books, moments, but I mean, yeah, that's the way it is. So when I, when I observe you today in a library, in which section would you go straight ahead? Right Human. now, I go, yeah, uh, I, I would go straight into the section re, uh, uh, related to different topics of, uh, of economics, uh -huh. of entrepreneurship, and of social entrepreneurship also, because I'm always uh, looking at ways on how we can improve and make the society better, even through our economic activities, because it doesn't have to be only for profit. And it doesn't have to be useful only for one, two, or limited group of persons. Mm. Or, or definitely after that, I would be checking some some new trends in marketing industry, and I would be obviously checking something in psychology. Interesting. Quite a lot of topics. Uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. library. Yeah. I forgot to mention also biographies, which I okay. find uh, I find great. So. Which leads me to the next question, actually, you know, if I would be in the library and would ask for your autobiography, in what yeah. section would I look for? About topics? For my... Yeah. Uh, let me think about it a second. A couple of topics or items uh, come to my mind. It would be, I, I guess, something about realizing your full potential. And in what section would I find that? And I, I mean, I would be in the library and say, I would look for that autobiography error. I mean, obviously, I would perhaps find an autobiography section, but where else? In what kind of section in the library? I would say self-help, it would be. Really? Self-help? Yeah, I, okay. I spent a lot of time analyzing myself. I spent a lot of time pushing what I thought were my limits. Uh, going into areas that were out of my comfort zone and you know just to, to 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 fully enjoy life to use all nice opportunities that life is offering to us not being afraid of uh, exploring uh, some new ideas traveling to some parts of the world where i've never been you see what i mean so it, it necessarily leads you to how to say uh i would say less conventional life than everything that is prescribed or dictated by by norms you know if you feel like changing completely your career path and if it's what made if it's some if it's something that would make you happy i mm -hmm. would always support that you know you you can be a top manager in the banking sector you might feel deeply unhappy or disappointed and if you go to make you you want to make pizza and have a truck yes for pizza i would definitely support that way if it's, if it's something <laughs> that comes from inside you see what i mean so yes. from perspective i would say you know just Living your full potential and not being afraid of what other people say. So we're not following the status quo, in other words, as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, wow. So you, you once said in the Sarajevo Times, which, which is a, um, a newspaper there, uh, you said that I have three very strong engines, which 
and highly motivating goals. And one of them, I'm going to list them later on all, and one of them you said, you know, is the perm permanent desire to acquire new skills and experiences to become a better person and to always give more in my efforts. Um, so it's literally also this kind of not just self-improvement desire, but also giving that out to other people, right? So that belief. Very, very true. You, you pointed rightly. I was even not aware of that uh, second half of the of this made statement, but that's true because you know it, it makes sense to a certain degree to realize your full potential or to become better in whatever you do. But sharing with with others and helping others around you, it's uh, what multiplies also my own satisfaction, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you also mentioned that in the Sarajevo Times that you know one of the most important uh, goals is also to see a better society um, and bring more educated or intelligent people um, to, to, to rise, to help them to rise as well. Um, and the other one where you mentioned is, you know, um, to bring more motivation and goals so that you can bring people together through sports and to help individuals as well. So they achieve more and not necessarily what they think of as capable of, but even beyond. Uh Exactly. This is what the transformational experience of uh, our uh, running club, for example, has shown us, you know, seeing people that just came to start something to, to try to move, to learn how to run 20, 30 minutes to, to, to when they came with some physical goals, they ended up at the end of the cycle being completely different persons being so empowered, so motivated, and feeling so strong in life that then they took some really good and uh, and uh, more important decisions in their life and this is what is all about actually you know this is what uh what i what i was uh meaning by, by by saying that sentence so so this is this is true and in terms of education also you know uh i, I am in a part of the world a part of europe actually that has one of lowest number of of highly educated and highly skilled people you know and uh, i see how uh how the quality of life can improve by uh, when you improve your, your level of education you 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 have access then to better jobs better income uh, interest of your lives are also changing you know you are not then only necessarily worried on a daily basis how to survive and you don't necessarily perceive life as a pure struggle but more also as a as a period as an opportunity to to enjoy it to to experience, to, to learn, to grow, basically, you know. And mm. this, this is what I have seen through education also, you know, here all the time. And uh, even during all my full-time jobs, they have all also been dedicated uh, in, in different ways, but to creating back better economic conditions for, for people in Bosnia and Herzegovina through some uh, important development activities in uh, helping them having better jobs, better skills also. So it's always related to that. So th this is my permanent uh, permanent uh, idea. And also because uh, I was always, I tried always to be focused on, on generating, the, the creating value. I am not, I'm, I'm uh, intentionally not, uh, using the word creating more wealth or creating more money but helping people creating more value 
So then that, that, that value and those additional resources that you create can be reinvested, you know. But if you don't think about that, you will have nothing to distribute eventually and you will have nothing to, uh, to earn from that perspective. So that, that's also why I was always focused on, on, on creating more jobs, stronger economy, better companies, better opportunities here in Bosnia individually and, uh, and, and, and collectively. And one very last uh, idea here is... Uh, also, I realized through my life that actually you can barely have a, a healthy society without having healthy individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, you have extremely strong correlation with a high percentage of people that exercise, for example, on daily basis in average and uh, economic situation in the society. It does not necessarily always go in the same way, but definitely societies where you don't have people with healthy habits, they are always around the bottom or the middle in terms of income, in terms of economic development, and then also in terms of social development. You know? mm. So uh, this is also why I try to do the, make the difference at, uh, locally. Yes. I mean, what you say uh, also, you know, you're aiming to create more value. It's indirectly also assets, which can be used uh, uh, in also. the future uh, in all kinds of also. different parts of the society in terms of education, in terms of growth, um, Personal well-being, uh, well-being, etc. Assets are taking time to be being being built, but are worth to be invested as well. Exactly. Um, Errol, when, if I would be now in the self-help section and I would hold your book in my hand, what would I see on the cover? Uh, that that's a good question. I think on the cover you would definitely see one smiling and optimistical face. Your face or any face or any? My face, if it's autobiography, I think it has to have certain level of authenticity and then energy or, or what we feel and perceive about somebody, you know, it often it's, it's quite true and right at the first impression. So it would give a more authenticity. I think I would be, although I'm considered to be a very, very serious person, it doesn't prevent me from smiling a lot or in any case from being an eternal optimist you know even when times are difficult and i'm in one of the most challenging countries in europe that has the most difficulties in in social and economic parts of the development so but still you know i'm Mm. very grateful and, and 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 very positive so Nice. So if I would now, um, I mean, in every book, you know, you have this kind of uh, thank you uh, page in the very beginning where you thank specific people who helped to create the book. Um, who do you thank in your life, Aaron? Uh, I think it would be uh, not excessively long uh, thanking pages but still it would contain obviously more than one two or three names or roles you know because besides parents because my current besides my current family i would be also definitely thanking different people that that marked different periods of my life you know and it might well end end up at 20 names for example but then mentioning more generally also different teams different groups of which I was part and it helped me acquiring something or growing in my life you know mm. and so I think it would be between one to two pages uh thanking page nice so I know you Errol as someone who you know is very sporty as well you know who likes to have challenges as well but is also you know uh looking after you're really looking after yourself as well health as well you know 
uh, always putting family ahead. Um, and I was always wondering, you know, how was Errol actually, you know, in the young ages, etc. So if I would now go into the um, into the first chapter in your book, yeah. what contains the first chapter? What can I read in this first chapter? Yeah, uh, actually, it's chapters would be quite easily divided, I think. Sub, sub chapters, maybe not that easily, but chapter would definitely be uh, one chapter. It would be my pr presence alive in Bosnia and Herzegovina before the war. You know, then since it was quite brutal change that that came all, all, all of a sudden, then it marked the beginning of another chapter that took place elsewhere. But the first one, which was basically my early age from zero to fourteen years old, that would be it. And uh, at that time, I think I was really uh, how to say. It, I had a big chance to, 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 to grow up in a country that has extremely, extremely high level of, uh, high degree of what I call human values, huge level of solidarity with people, a uh, lot of uh, hours every day spent outside playing with friends. Uh, at that time, back then in, in, in Yugoslavia, we, we used to have a school only half of the day, every day. So it meant that you had half of day completely free for you every day. So I did so many different things. So what I mean by that, uh, we didn't enjoy some anything particularly luxurious or from material perspective, it was really life in a socialism of, of pure middle class. You know, we lived in one bedroom apartment, uh, my sister and myself. Uh, our brother was already older and he was not living with us. But, you know, it, it was honestly quite happy and simple. Uh, childhood, playing a lot with friends. In any case, I have a lot of, lot of good memories. And uh, uh, how to say, uh, in, in the same time, not no access at any point was there. But in the same time, we absolutely had everything that we needed. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of time together, a lot of... Uh, love good energy uh excellent friends and a lot of different activities that we enjoyed as kids that stimulated our whatever intellectual or physical growth so this is what, what is coming on the top to my mind uh i'm trying just to remember if there is something else that would come as a, as, as mm -hmm. a strong image but literally that that's it i would say quite play, playful simple and nice childhood yeah uh there any memories when you say uh, from zero to 14, I mean, till teenage age, uh, do you have any memories who say, you know, that was so typical me, you know, as a child, you know? Um, do you have any memories? When I was a, as a child, you mean? Yes, where you say, you know, that was so typical me, you know, I don't know. Um, or people who maybe, you know, remember you as a child, who say, you know, that is very typical error. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah typical of me if, if you would ask my family they would say that i was always laughing and i was always uh full of energy and uh, full of uh how to say ideas in the same time also from time to time i was also in my own world completely mm -hmm. isolated from others and looking somewhere far away through through everything that we can see at the window without noticing that like i was flying okay and then I was also, as a kid, people say that I loved cakes, I loved chocolate, I loved uh, sweet stuff. 
for example, if you ask all my family or my parents, they would say also that. And uh, I think these are two, three typical uh, images for me as a, when I was a child. Nice. So when you say laughing and full of energy, how does it look like? Did you were you also kind of running around all the time, or were you more like, you know, very impatient for something? And uh, yeah, you you are right. I was always impatient, uh, and I was also full of energy in the sense that I was always yeah, I would be uh, running around, playing with everybody, uh, doing lot 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 of sports already. Uh, I remember also spending a lot of weekends going to my aunts and my uncle's place to play with cousins uh, that were uh, they, they are we are similar in age, so we spent a lot of weekends together. Uh, so yeah, it would be it, it would be that kind of uh, hyperactivity very often. Nice. So when you say the first chapter is um, from zero to fourteen and before the war started. Um, How would you call that chapter? That chapter would be simply, I would call it like a basis of human values, because this is where this is where I acquired, and especially you know when we say that somebody somebody is bringing something from home, when we acquire something basically and literally from our parents or from our society in which we are growing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, you say who related to this. Interesting. I mean, you say human values. You mentioned you, you touched base on this before as well. Uh, how would you define human values again? I would say also like life principles that you are carrying with you. There might be two, three, four, five of them, and uh, and something that you really you you received also from your parents as a key pillars of your behavior it can be also part of your personality it can become uh, this is and something that is structuring your personality so you know i'm not now a, a psycho so i maybe i how to say i might be using wrong words but framing I, your uh, maybe framing yeah, exactly. your personality yeah yeah exactly but when i'm uh visualizing that i feel really strong like just like one uh, desk or table have three four legs you know on which it's It's being uh, put. So th this is what I would be. This is, for example, what very often what we experience is that we go through in the childhood. They really we bring them forever in our life. So this is why I call they are particularly important. Mm -hmm. So when I now reading that chapter basics of human values, and I'm finishing that chapter, um, what would I see in the next chapter? The next chapter would be. Because of what is the next chapter, it would be a little bit surprising. It might be contradictory to all that I concluded in the first chapter, but still it would be finishing nice and good if we speak about second chapter, right? Yes. Yeah, because the second chapter, then what came next, it was related to the war. And uh, all, all good values, all human or life principles that I developed, acquired, or defined in the first period of time, it was all shaken in, in the very beginning of the next chapter. When the war started, you know, we have all seen here the worst possible violence, uh, the worst possible behavior between humans, killing each other, cutting each other's throat with knife, uh, doing all sorts of uh, crimes against humanity that you can imagine. 
So mm-hmm. in the same time, it was a great punch in the head, you know, just to, to wake you up and to see another reality of life. And uh, also to ask a lot of questions, you know, why is that happening? Uh, how people can do it to each other? How, why it happens to me, you know, etc., etc. And then in the same time, that chapter also was moving me to France as I moved then when I was in 1992, when after the first year of the war in Bosnia, I moved... Uh, first to, to Czech, Czech Republic for a couple of weeks until I got my paperwork done and then I was able and very lucky to be able to go to France where I had a family I still have my aunt my uncle and a lot of cousins there that accepted my entire family from Bosnia there and they literally uh, saved our lives and uh, so that was the second chapter that started extremely most turbulent way also as you, as mm-hmm. you know because of the war. And then in all that context, I needed to settle down and, and to continue a kind of normal life for years, to continue my education in France. I, I did the primary school in Bosnia. Then I needed to go to the high school in France and then to do the university and everything. But in the same time, you are carrying with you the status of refugee, of war in your home country, a lot of uncertainties, you know, because you didn't know whether you would be coming back or not one day. Mm. whether you will lose your family or not and so on so that second chapter started with a lot of interrogation points and a lot of incredible things that you just couldn't believe it then that asked you was your first chapter right or you did you or everything is wrong you know <laughs> yes i mean you you mentioned that you know um, it shaped kind of my principles as well you know that shift you know in the teenage age where you were then went from that peaceful environment into straight into war as well environment. Um, at that time, did you, was that more kind of a transition or did it all happen all of a sudden in Sarajevo, that shift? Uh, honestly, it happened all of a sudden for all of us, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some people that were more involved or when you analyze later on, you can see that you have noticed some sign, uh, not me because I was a child at that time, mm. maybe parents or other older people could notice some signs some preconditions or some tensions that could indicate that the war would happen or something like that but frankly speaking nobody believed in that and this is why so many people were left in Sarajevo in the middle of siege when the city was attacked and when uh, when the war started so mm-hmm. it was really it was really brutal nobody was expecting that and as a proof also when we everybody when people moved as refugees everywhere in the world they all thought they would be coming back within within month, one month or six months. Mm. It would last more than a year, but it happened. It happened to be the longest siege in in recent history. You know. Mm. You, mean, you said that you uh, were for a short time in Czech Republic and then finally moved to to France. You were yeah. in a teenage age. You know, it's usually the age where you know you you know want to spend time with your friends, etc. You know, leisure activities um you were in the middle of the school um how was that for you this kind of shift not just from the from the location but also in everything else from the school over friends etc well to be honest with you it was a shock because all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you just cut all your friends you need to find another ones you cut the culture you you grew in eastern europe now you need to go to western europe uh you studied one language, you need to speak in another language for which you have no clue. 
then your family was together, all of a sudden family separated, and plenty of other similar challenges. But ultimately, you know, in, in later chapters of my life, I noticed that it was some of highest uh, period of gro personal growth, obviously. But in that time, it was a shock, and that shock made me uh, mature and, and, and grow up much rapidly. And I ended up, when I was 15, 20, hanging around with people that were 10 or 15 years older with me than me in terms of age. But in terms of maturity, I was already far away uh, there because simply what life served me to think about and to, and to handle was different to what people of my age were living and going through in France. And luckily for them. Interesting that you say that. Um, what really interested me was what did you learn actually from all this, you know, traumatic shift, you know, from the location, etc. When you now look back, what would you say you have learned? You, you said um, maturity as well at that time, you know, you, you were way ahead, other same age. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I had already, or at least I put to myself uh, some kind of pressure because I was... Uh, receiving uh, my family was receiving social aids in france so when i was studying i i couldn't afford to myself to to miss one year or to lose not to pass some exams because i would lose that opportunity of attending the university for free uh then also i had to to work from a quite early age when i was around 16 and 17 years old i was already doing started doing some student jobs that luckily in the uh, in France, there were a lot of those. So, you know, I was already carrying a lot of responsibilities in life. And this is what made you grow up much more rapidly and uh, think about other things. So what I learned from that period, you know, is that we really can adapt absolutely to every single situation in life. That the resilience that human being has is extraordinary, you know, and everything really lies within ourselves, both in our heart and in our mind. To, and we can really accomplish every single uh, challenge that is that is put in front of us, you know. And by that time, I also learned that all obstacles in life are not there to stop you. They're just here to show you the way, you know. And then by doing some smarter and intelligent moves, just like the river does, you know, you might not need always to go straight. There is a wall, you will break your head. But just, you know, navigate smartly in life and we can really do everything. Yeah, it's a very nice example what you said with the river. I mean, it's, you know, with the river, the river finds the easiest way from A to B. Um, and usually we have this kind of, you know, end goal in mind, you know, we say, we want to go, we want to go there, no matter what stands in front of us. But in the end of the day, you know, it costs us so much energy and um, brings us also in this kind of tunnel view where we not see the opportunities around us. Whereas, you know, when we like, you know, moving around and following our instinct as well, we kind of, we kind of, we could potentially explore new opportunities as well. Cool. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, for, for, for you, when you moved now to, you know, uh, to, to France, how, how long did you stay in France? Uh, I stayed there for 10 years. But it was mm. a really important decade of my life because it was from the age of 15 to 25. You know, somebody that it's kind of finishing your personality, your profile, uh, and uh, and also opening my mind a lot because France was at that time, I mean, even today, a country full, full, full of opportunities, full of different people, full of cultural or any other 
uh, how to say, extremely rich experiences, situations, places, and everything else, you know, in, in comparison to, to mm. the country from which I came, it was really like opening myself to the world. So from that perspective, it was also great to see, you know, because when you come from, uh, and later on the life will demonstrate that when you come back from Occident, from Western Europe to South or Eastern Europe, this is like you are coming a little bit from future to few decades in the past, you know, mm -hmm. and then you see things that will be happening here in terms of development, in terms of human behavior, in terms of everything. So it, it, it was great also from that perspective. And mm -hmm. we will speak later about that. But, you know, I, I brought to Bosnia and Herzegovina the culture of recreational running that was already well developed in Germany, in France, but mm -hmm. it was unexisting unexi in, a, for example, in this country. So it, 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 it was very rich, but once again, symbols and signs are here if you know to read them to understand them mm. you just have to to keep the eyes open to read and to exactly. see the signs as well yeah he said you, you stayed in france from 15 from age 15 to age 25 so you went to yes. the, the university there as well um yes. what 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 did you study what subject uh, as i never exactly knew in my life what I would be end up and uh, I didn't want to orient myself towards one narrow profession I studied management because management was uh, first of all I was always interested in management of, of organizations meaning also people uh, other resources and uh, uh, I wanted to keep options open for the future you know mm -hmm. so I, I enjoyed a lot that my high school in France was already oriented towards economics okay. and then the, then the university and the master's degree were really oriented towards management of, of uh, organizations mm -hmm. so there was an interest was, on economics uh, uh, perhaps international relationship as well a little bit exactly exactly so, economics uh, uh, how to make how to better use resources without wasting them how to to, to, to produce more, but not only more in quantity, but more in quality of whatever we do. You yes. know, it, it was kind of permanent uh, tendency how to improve systems, mm -hmm. you know, how to, if you are a public service, how you can give more to your beneficiaries. If you are a private company, how can you be, you know, because I was always marked, no resources are unlimited, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, especially we are now living in decades and even with mentioning a couple of last decades of last century where humans behaved particularly irresponsibly towards the environment, towards the resources, just like it would last forever, you know, mm. while it's not, it's not the case. So I was also always cautious and, and trying just to be treating other people assets like my own, you know. Mm -hmm. Why would you use 10 units of whatsoever to get five? products if you can do it with eight so save something mm. you know just just be try to plan and be careful about the future you know we don't know what it brings we we can we have seen that it can be crazy that different situations can happen so you know just act mm. responsibly that's basically the why i was always oriented towards management and why i was loving to see how the organizations are organized interesting so literally like treat others as you want to get treated as well um, and then to help indirectly organizations to have a larger scale impact 
Yeah, absolutely, that. absolutely. Because the, those principles become interesting when you apply them more massively. Mm -hmm. the, the impact is higher. Um, exactly, exactly. Scaling aspect and the and the output and the outcome of small changes exactly. have a higher scale. It's interesting. So you know that time when you said you were ten years in France. I mean, ten years are quite a long time. Um, was it an all of a sudden decision that you then moved back or did you realize that over the years that slowly you might move back? Hey, to be honest with you, it was rather all of a sudden decision because I was going back home for holidays. I think it was 2001. And during the holidays, during a couple of chats and meetings, I had one really interesting uh, job opportunity here to come back. And then I decided that in a couple of months, you know, I would come back. But uh, I was never planning initially, if you would ask me six months before that or one year before, would I come back? I would certainly say no, because I had even applied for French citizenship. I got it. Uh, I was kind of looking and, and, and uh, you know, I was convinced that I would stay there for another 10 years at least. Yes. And then, you know, just like it happens in life, that's wonderful, you know, some unexpected situation that you couldn't foresee before. And then I, I got the job opportunity. It sounded very interesting, fulfilling. And then I said, okay, yes, let's do it. And all my family was also a little bit shocked that I decided all of a sudden to go back Yes. From one of the best European countries to one of the worst, but <laughs> that's, that's <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I mean, it sounds like you were on the mission as well. I mean, not just that shop opportunity brought you back home, I would say it's also kind of what you have learned for the previous years. You know, you could potentially change as well back home, back in, in Sarajevo or in Bosnia Herzegovina. Look, this is, you are 100% right. And this is exactly what I wanted to say, you know. So that second chapter was like, uh, like, like PhD in something, you know, over those <laughs> ten, 10 years, it was kind of PhD in, uh, in and, and, and really getting more into few other areas that emerged as a, as area of my future professional interest and uh, some things were confirmed, some new things came up, but really having a, an extraordinary experience and for which I will be really grateful forever. Mm -hmm. You said PhD kind of experience was a second chapter. How would you call the second chapter then? Uh, yes, if the first chapter will be dedicated to uh, human principles and yeah, so human basic values, basis of yeah. human values. Yeah, exactly. The, the second one I would really call it it, it was, uh, first of all, uh, ex expanding the horizons and the views, and then exploring deeper just few of them. Because would, I, I don't know yeah. if I can explain you with words, with words properly, uh, to, to what extent the change was huge coming from uh, Southeastern Europe to Western Europe in the 90s, you know, it was huge mm -hmm. in terms of market economy on one side you had planned economy you had extremely well-developed countries quite rich uh, on the other side you had some countries that had plenty of other limitation also it, uh, comparing economics western europe was much far ab above but comparing human values uh, 
in the southeastern Europe had a lot of things to offer because uh, in Western Europe to get economic development to huge level, people often neglect the human side. You know, people only mm. care about money. They live afraid of the future. Do they have enough savings, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. On the other side, southeastern Europe, people enjoyed every single day of life. You know, mm -hmm. they spent a lot of times together, uh, having lunches together, dinners, enjoying life, and without necessarily caring too much about what will happen in a month without even speaking about 20 years. So mm. I, so from that perspective, from my my uh, that, that second chapter was really getting me deeply and on the other side, you know, on uh, on what does it mean to live in a developed society? What does it take from you as a cost, as a toll? What's the human price to pay? So it was balancing also with two and hopefully trying to find the right balance for, for remaining remaining chapters in the life. You know, going so, from one thing to another. Yes, you said in the beginning, expanding the horizon as well, and then now, exactly. now balancing as well. So exactly. Would you call it then expand, expanding the horizon? Yes, that's what, that, that's what came first to my, to my mind. So and really, it just tripled the number of different possibilities that you noticed in life. It exposed me also to huge intercultural uh, possibilities and experiences you know you just end up in one place where people from 100 countries in the world live and study together and you just learn and see so many new things with all this experience um which you gained over the previous years um and now moving you know back to sarajevo after around 10 years um what happened there now Look what happened then, it was really applying then everything that was <laughs> applying okay. the PhD, applying the human values from the childhood. So basically from the Western world and from my second chapter, you really get what does it mean to have well-developed society. And from the first chapters of my life, you really see what does it get to have a well-developed human being that cares about others, that has a lot of solidarity, that has a lot of compassion uh, and a lot of uh, naturally uh, emotional intelligence and that is caring for others. And uh, all next chapters since so the age of 25, 26 and onwards, basically late last uh, almost 20 years, uh, I spent them trying to balance both of those first two chapters in helping the country build better and stronger economy, but without neglecting the individual. So when you started to move back, um, you said, you know, you moved back because you, you got that job offer as well. Um, yeah. How was the, how were the first few years for you? Uh, yeah, the, uh, so the job offer that I got was uh, the job offer in the Foreign Investment Promotion Agency of Bosnia and Herzegovina. So at that time, it was one very good and dynamic agency that was uh, in charge, basically, of that, that was the first door to foreign investors. So once again, I, I, I was exposed to international business people. Mm -hmm. I was myself covering several countries or several ling linguistical zones. French one, French speaking, or uh, Middle East as well. So I was already, uh, at that time, you know, it was not something that was really narrow and, and closed or strictly local. 
but it was really a lot of contacts with the whole world. And then also what I always loved, at that job I was, uh, I was requested to know a lot of sectors of the economy in Bosnia and Herzegovina. So it meant really that I needed to go to see a lot of people, to understand a lot of dynamics, a lot of different sectors and trying to be the um, middleman and being the matchmaker between some potentially interesting business people from abroad or foreign companies with different projects and people in Bosnia and Herzegovina. So it was very rich, extremely rich experience uh, that allowed me also very quickly to learn the country because I needed to learn a lot of things uh, very rapidly here. And uh, also uh, I needed again to readapt mm -hmm. because it, uh, first of all, uh, all my work was in English all of a sudden. While the previous decade of my life was uh, in French, so I needed again to switch in my brain to <laughs> to uh, start again, and then I needed also to rebuild the network, people, uh, acquaintances, etc. You know, because I spent ten years socializing in France, and then once again you are again here in, in, in Bosnia and Sarajevo, but I didn't have my how to say. Uh, I knew some people, but I didn't have that many friends that would uh, that would be there for me, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. so I needed again to basically, how to say, build my network and uh, start to understand the the new normal. Just like nowadays in COVID, what is the new normal? In that time, I needed to understand what's the new normal after the war, you know. Yes. So, you know, how it goes? What do we need yes. to do? What can do what we can do so it was extremely challenging once again uh, intellectually mm -hmm. and humanly so during that time where you also started the new job there and you mean you troubled you know at some parts of the world you saw the different economic parts as well i mean how much was your interest of running at that time did you uh, do it already parallel it was it kind of a parallel part-time job of like you know the uh, interest of running and sport or did it develop later on a little bit more uh, no, I was already, I caught the virus, so I was running myself on a, on a daily basis or almost, uh -huh. uh, and then I was in first year of, the first year of, or two, when I was in, in, in Boston, let's say until 2003, 2004, I was rather looking at opportunities and I had an idea, but I didn't yet connect the dots, I didn't find the right people with, with whom I could work, but I was uh, analyzing the environment and trying to build at that time alliances within international community to help the country organizing first running events and, and, and raising the awareness about that. It would take, it took me two or three years before I, uh, I registered with one friend at that time, uh, NGO Marathon Association, Sarajevo Marathon Association, and uh, uh, it took me also a couple of uh, experience is also trying to work with other people testing them not all were uh, well uh, with, with the healthy and well and positive intentions you know some of people especially politicians would try to abuse a little bit of, the, of that idea trying to get political points from the running event etc that would connect different parts of the country or, or of the of the city you know uh, so it, it took me a couple of years of experiencing and testing both people and institutions, but already at that time to answer your questions, I was a regular runner and I had in mind that one day we will have a half marathon, we will have one day also a marathon and we would have extremely dynamic community and people that have 
much higher level of awareness than back then for, for health, for food, for healthy habits, and also yes. for healthy thoughts. <laughs> yes. I mean, I remember 2015 when I was visiting you in Sarajevo as well, and for the Sarajevo Half Marathon, you you told me that story, you know, how you started as well at that time. And I, I won't forget when you mentioned that, you know, at that time when you started to phone that half marathon, very, very few people were running, you know, because they're kind of also, you know, it's, you know, still several years after the war, but still it's this kind of environment where people not seeing sport or running as a way, you know, to, to enhance their personal well-being, uh, the positivity perspective, etc. And you shared with me that story of, you know, that so few people started running at that time. And all of a sudden, you know, year by year, you started to build more and more people uh, joining, enabled more and more people to join, you know, your running school as well, but in, in a scale which was kind of exponential almost. Um, it was exponential, but you are right. At the very beginning, when it all started, you would laugh, but even the smallest village in Germany would have had more participants. <laughs> we didn't care, you know, one is more than zero. That's that's what we were looking at, you know. And uh, no, honestly, we had for the first running event like 90 participants and okay. uh, or maybe let's say up to 100. Mm -hmm. And actually 90% of them were foreigners in the country. You know, you would have still soldiers or some uh, army forces that were present in the country. So almost zero locals, uh, very limited number of participants, and without even speaking about gender equality, you know. Mm. Do and, you uh, yeah. yeah? Do you remember the first slogans you had in the first few years of your Sarajevo slogan? Or did you have some type, some type of slogans, you know, to encourage people to go out for a run? Do you remember the very first ones? Yes, <clears throat> one of first ones, I cannot guarantee you if it was the first one or not, was kind of uh, plug you in. Because when you translate that in, in, into Bosnian, of course, it means to plug something in, you know. Uh -huh. uh, but it means also uh, get active, get get yourself moving, get, uh, you know, move, move yourself. Take the first step. Yeah, yeah, take the first yeah. step. So this is, for example, what we were using. Uh, in one of first slogans, but at the very beginning, the, we didn't even have the money for the campaign. So I think it was mm -hmm. first year or two, it was without slogan. And then we were having quite nice slogans, uh, changing from time to time, depending what we want to promote. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that Sarajevo, of course, in, in the winter, it can be very cold as well. Um, I assume that, you know, founding a running school or, you know, this kind of community it's not necessarily the easiest in that conditions as well in the winter when it's very, very cold. How did you cope with that situation? Uh, how to say, uh, you are very right. There are at least two challenges during the winter here. First one is usually, depending on number of days or weeks, but you would have very cold weather. Mm -hmm. You know, it can go until minus 10, minus 15. But however, in, in itself, it's not that heavy problem because you dress warmly and that's okay you mm -hmm. know you can still do something but however the second point uh, that became inc an increasingly increasing burden here in sarajevo is the high level of air pollution in the winter 
And mm -hmm. that's a problem because you cannot breathe properly. So you would need to go to the mountain. So what we did, we organized the running club in a way that first six months from April to October are kind of mandatory. And when people register and subscribe, they have regular workouts three times a week during those six months. And then for the other periods, let's say from November until March, we do provide some kind of service, but, but more on voluntarily basis. So we would gather less once or twice a week, in any case, every Sunday morning to some specific spots in the city where we all run together. And mm -hmm. whoever comes is welcome. And if we see that the air is polluted in that time, we just take the cars and we go up to the mountain. It's 30 minutes drive, and then you still can enjoy a, a, an absolutely amazing workout. So we, we found a way, once again, when there is a will, there is a way. <laughs> to so find <laughs> so, so it, sounds, it sounds almost like a trail running adventure, you know, going up the mountain and then running up there. It can be also yeah. kind of a trail running. You're right, because on, but we did organize the first trail runs in the country as well. Okay. It was uh, already 15, also uh, maybe 13 or 12 years ago from now, sorry. It was, I would say, between 2009 and 2010, 11, even a bit earlier. We also organized, because we do have, uh, you, you need to, to know still uh, more than half of the country is covered by forests in Bosnia. It's extremely green, extremely rich nature and beautiful. And, uh, you know, we just felt it, it, it's pity not to use that. And then later on, a couple of other people that were focused on trail running because we had limited resources, mainly humanly. And as we focused on road running, a couple of other people then focused on uh, trail running. But after we created the mass, because yes. if you want to create the mass, you need to remain in the city, right? Okay. Like. You need to be, people need to see you, etc., etc., and then you do fine tuning and sub sub communities or yes. parts still of one. So that's how, how did it go? Yeah, I mean, for many people, you know, the easiest way or the, to make it as simple as possible to access, you know, rank clubs or you know, runs uh, is usually a decision maker as well as a crucial point uh, to make it really close as well and not like far exactly. Away. Yeah. So, so walk me through like parallel while you, you know, founded Sarajevo Half Marathon um, and also the running school in the community. What did you do uh, on the work on the work side uh, on the professional end? Um, uh, yeah, uh, actually, what we talked about right now, this is what I was doing in parallel, and then from uh -huh. nine to five <laughs> every day, <laughs> I was I was working, okay. I was working in the area of economic development of Bosnia. Uh, I worked all together in five diplomatic uh, missions, including the World Bank group, including French embassy, including the UK embassy, plenty of uh, some similar employers. And it's so, uh, first of all, uh, it was always in, uh, uh, related to some very important economic reforms in Bosnia and to making a much better environment, I would say, at macro level you know, at the level of the state, at, at the level of the regions in Bosnia. But as I needed daily dose of satisfaction, I needed to do something at local level. So that's what my passion drive me through with, with running. This was what I was doing on a daily basis and at local level, helping individuals to, to grow, you know, in all segments of their personalities. Uh, I basically just empowering them, just showing them what they can do. But yes. so besides, besides that, I had really 
always demanding jobs in uh, in that field. You know, I was working either in economic department of French embassy, for example, or I was implementing the most important United Nations youth employment related projects in the country, uh, creating jobs for four to 5,000 young people, upgrading their skills. So it mm. was always, the, uh, as I told you, the, the, the part of, of the economy that is really looking forward Mm -hmm. and that aims at modernizing the practices and way of thinking and what we do now, you know, mm -hmm. how to be once again more, better and more competitive, but trying not to lose what makes your authenticity, uh, trying not to lose uh, compassion for others. You see, you know what I mean? You, you don't need, in order to be successful in area of economy, you don't need to be a bad person, you know, you yes. don't have to kill other people in order to raise to the top <laughs> so i mean yes exactly i mean many people often associate you know their job with their identity as well and they're not authentic at all you know and they're not necessarily make the cut after they finish that job um they became the job in their personality as well um i i, I know you uh, errol also i mean as you said you know um someone who is like providing also opportunities, job opportunities for young people, you know, unemployed young people, giving the, creating this environment, you know, and, and also access to networks. Um, is that, at that time, did that involve over time that you realized that the potential for young people in Bosnia-Herzegovina or the, the, the high number is actually a huge, huge problem? Or did you saw that, you know, throughout your work, there as well. Uh, I saw uh, that, first of all, that, that, that's a great question. And uh, we, we really see that you also have experience in, in, in being in different societies and looking at different angles. Here, actually, what, what surprised me when I uh, came back from, the, from, from France is that I note a couple of things, but one of them was that all of a sudden people remain divided after the war, you know, and political leaders tried very hard to keep different communities separated, isolated almost from each other. So this is from what motivated me also to engage much faster and harder with, uh, with sport. But this is also what motivates me. The whole world was discussing and talking about opening borders, mixing people, learning from each other. Here we were in completely different logic, keep build the walls between people and let not them talk to each other anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. This is what would keep those uh, ethno-nationalist political parties at power, and they are still very strong today. But at that time, so I wanted to, to, to break those walls with new ideas and with proposing to young people new reality and new life so that they can see really what does it mean when we exchange ideas, when you have rich and open society where people can think and share their ideas and experiences freely, and this is why I simply started loving new things, startups, mm -hmm. new ideas, companies. And in parallel, as you very rightly point out, the result of such behavior in the country where already uh, corrupted politicians started to, to take care and being on top positions, uh, you know, the price to pay was low and slow economic development resulting in not enough jobs being created and resulting then naturally in almost the highest level of youth unemployment in Europe. And it, mm. it's actually a huge problem. And we are now having the second wave of that, that phenomena in the country. 
for example, after traditionally people from Bosnia and Herzegovina, they love Germany and they love also a couple of other countries. For generations, they have always been one family member who would go abroad, work, make situation and send a little bit of money to the country. Mm-hmm. But it would often be people that were or would be jobless in Bosnia. But now in the last three to five years, we start seeing people migrating and going out people that simply lost faith and they gave up, they have jobs, but they said, look, I don't see myself anymore in this country. So I, I resign. They have well-paid public jobs in the public sector. They said, enough, let's go take the kids and let's go to anywhere, Germany, United States, etc., etc." So uh, that has been an eternal issue here, you know, how to make people uh, create, seeing, believing and creating better future. And mm. I cannot tell you at this day that I have won the battle because people keep leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking or compare the past with, with the present, would you say there are different kind of challenges for young people in Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, compared to like 10, 15 years ago uh, to today? Or are still the same uh, challenges? Challenges are similar. They are a little bit more lost but this is that new generation of youngsters that have access absolutely to 10 electronic devices per day and that is just living more in a virtual world, yes. somehow forgetting or not even learning how to communicate properly with uh, how to interact with other humans. So in the same time, they are, they are mastering some other skills that we are not, but in the same time, they don't have the basics. They don't mm-hmm. have the entire chapter one that I had in my life. Yes. They don't yes. play with each other. They don't hug each other. They don't fight with, with each other. You know, it's all happening virtually. So I would say they are facing some global challenges that youth of their age is uh, also facing today. Uh, and uh, they are living, uh, also, they are living lots through social media. And you know, th- those histories with social media that everybody tends to present only the best side. So when mm. you live in and difficult environment and quite poor country like Bosnia, you all automatically tend to think that 99% of people you see are happier than you, are richer than you, etc, etc. While it's not necessarily true. Yes, yes. I mean, oh. today, yeah. I mean, you, you said, you know, entrepreneurship is something, you know, which came out the last few years in particular as well. I mean, young people, how I see it, also, you know, they have new opportunities, but they have also new challenges. Um, exactly. Technology, technology itself, as you say, with social media, you now brings one new opportunity, but also plenty new challenges as well, which often only been seen later on in a couple of years' time. You know that lack of social connection, of physical local uh, uh, connection, etc. And I think that that kind type of challenges, you know, will be you know changed over time, also in the future, which we barely can foresee. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, you, you are right. And uh, how to say, in the same time, some things are getting, getting simply uh, accelerated. Uh, they are, uh, now they can see examples of young gamers that are 15 years old and they earn my salary, you know, and they, uh, or, you see what I mean? And then or mm. they see some kind of influencer on their Instagram and they think it's easy, uh, except, you know, and that you don't need particular skills, school, effort, or, or learning to be good at something. 
which I think is rather still an exception rather than a rule. So yes. their conclusions often might be erroneated or also we have seen a lot of behaviors in between Bosnia and Herzegovina, young people when uh, they are don't want to work hard enough on themselves, they try to do take some shortcuts in the society through the belonging to political parties, then they would try to access some higher positions or good jobs immediately, immediately after they graduate. Uh, so a couple of reasonings are sometimes right because young new generation is less patient than we were. So mm. from that perspective, they require more and they require it immediately, more or less. Uh, but in the same time, you don't need to forget that in the nature, there are cycles, there are principles, everything takes time. Mm. Know, to grow up, to mature. So if you just try to neglect those things, you, I think you will just have expectations that life might not well serve. <laughs> yes, 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 for sure. Um, Errol, um, you know, I, I met you for the very first time in 2013 in Beirut. Um, oh, and I'm not sure if I ever ask you this, uh, how did you come uh, how, how how did you get to know Meir Khalil? I mean, the founder of the Beirut Marathon Association, um, and literally then you know <laughs> travel to Beirut and go for was it a marathon or half marathon you were running? I can't remember. At that time, always the marathons. I don't okay. think uh, in first editions they didn't even have the the half marathon yet. True. This yes, is only remember. when yes. it became massive. That they put marathons. Uh, first of all, May would definitely be, and all that crew actually would definitely be on the thank, thank you page of the book. <laughs> okay. Because this is thanks to her that we met and that we are talking right now. And this is also thanks to, uh, for both of us, the courage to do something or to go to some places that are, uh, that would you not necessarily go uh, just like that. And obviously, we were rewarded by life. In my case, you know, I, I was looking through running. I was looking for travels. And I said, let's travel. So, uh, because I experienced that with Bosnia. When situation was quite good, or at least improving here, media were still creating the... They would still be writing a lot of news that would be only focusing on the negative side. While the reality was different. So I said, let's pick up one country in the Middle East for which media really write a lot of negative stories, they try to scare you, they write about conflict. So I picked up Beirut and Lebanon. And I just, I went there, and obviously the second, first most important condition was that there is a marathon there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I picked Lebanon because okay. really it, it sounds great. Uh, I had a wish to visit that country since the very, very, very beginning. It, it was on the list, but never the first choice. And then I said, okay, media and newspapers are uh, writing a lot of bad stuff on that. I'm sure that people are wonderful there. Let's go and explore. And the first year I went there uh, without knowing me, without knowing anybody from the Beirut Marathon Association. I just ran, let's say, discreetly, incognito. And then I wrote them a list of uh, compliments and good points after the event when I was coming back to Bosnia, you know, when I came back. And I said, really, that's great. I told them how much I appreciate it because I know culturally speaking in, in that country, they are facing even bigger challenges to, to, to push the population to do something even than my, in my 
country, you know. Mm-hmm. Mediterranean, Mediterranean countries really have people that tend to be more lazy, simply, that they want to enjoy life, to sit down, to eat and drink, but not to run, and not to run long distances. Mm-hmm. And uh, as they were facing bigger challenges, even than I was in Bosnia, and uh, looking at what they have done, I simply congratulated them. Then May, May wrote back, I said, what, you were coming here without letting us know, etc., etc. No, next year, come back, please be our guest, etc. And that's how, you know, the, 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 the friendship started. I think you know the rest, because when I came mm-hmm. next year, we, we, we met. And then that's basically... <laughs> A kind of a uh, really huge, huge love story, huge story, an example of, of human compassion, of dedication, of true, uh, very pure energies and, uh, and uh, higher dreams and desires really to make the country a better place. And uh, mm. so it's so inspirational that, and we kept going there, both you, me and other colleagues, certainly because we share that. And this is what is connecting us. Exactly. I mean, I remember very well how much energy May is sent, spreading out, actually, you know, to everyone, welcome everyone and actually invite everyone to not just go for a run there, but actually, you know, to meet new people, building a community, international community as well. And that type of energy she's spreading out, I mean, it's, you know, brings everyone back again. And then uh, this is, you know, for sure, I mean, brought you back years after for several times, <laughs> me as well. And uh, I mean, you feel home as well. I remember very well in 2013, you know, I mean, it was a whole new country, same like you, a whole new country and you're running and then, you know, next next to the street are soldiers with, with a gun and you think, what the hell, what the hell are you doing? But at the same time, you realize that the hospitality, the people and also May and the whole team also, you know, that amazing team are, behind the marathon who is not just organizing marathon but they're really living a m- mission you know bringing exactly. people together um and you see that in every meter of that marathon or half <laughs> yes, marathon exactly. literally you know you see that in the people on the side you know and you can you can feel it it's not a fake environment it's a very authentic environment and that's so unique nowadays you know other like major marathons around the world where you I mean, before COVID, obviously, <laughs> um, <laughs> they became mass events were kind of the, just, the, the true reason, thing. exactly, and the true reason why they started uh, became kind of uh, less important. True, and true. that's very sad. That's very sad. And then also, all of a sudden, that individual, I mean, each individual runner runs for themselves rather than for overall goal. And I felt in Beirut Marathon, they keep that overall goal always, you know, that you want part of a bigger mission. And true, true. That's, that's it's beautiful, yeah. So was it 2013, the first year you, cho- you were running there? Or did you... Maybe even 2012, and then I needed, needed to skip one year, and then I came back after. I, I think see. it was, okay. the, it, it, it was the, the, the order. And you are right. It's it, it's really it remains an exception. You know, I've done more than hundred running events across the world, and uh, it really it's still the exception. You know, to, to feel to that extent the compassion, the, the love they are giving to you, the how exceptional you feel, and uh, in the same time you are contributing and helping them in their mission because it's not easy. We come there for one day, for one week, but they have different struggles and challenges every single day and week in the year in order to, to, 
create such high level uh, experience. Uh, so, so that's just amazing. And it makes me think really that as soon as times get back to normal, you know, I'll just keep going there because it feels like home, you said. Yes, yes, yes. Um, just a minute ago, you said 100 running events. I mean, more than or, or more or less, you know, 100 running events around the world you attended. Was it was it also that time where you were very competitive or were you were just interested in running in different regions? Uh, I would say... Although at some point I was much more competitive than now, it was more by curiosity, more to meet other people, to see other societies, and just to discover. You know, it's <clears throat> because uh, running serves first of all me. It's like kind of daily meditation, or like you know, just to, to to manage stress and to feel better. That's already the greatest purpose it can have for me. Uh, and then as I do. And I was never going to the Olympic Games. You know, I just didn't care that much about minutes or seconds that I would do maybe during two, three years. But it was kind of funny to do better and faster than the year before. But very rapidly, you see how much richer is the other dimension, you know, rather yeah. than caring about seconds. Let's care about smiles, about experiences, about what we learn, what we see, what we can exchange with others. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is... Uh, you know, for example, now I am quite experienced recreational runner that has 25 years of experience. Uh, I carry with me in my memory much more of moments when I was, when I lived something beautiful during such experience rather than when I was really fast. So <laughs> just to say that I think my choice was right, you know. Yes. Focused on and what was the main motivation to, to travel? Yes. Um, I remember um, a couple of years ago when we met in Dubai, you said um, also, you know, time is less important for you as well. It's not as essential uh, anymore when you run. You know, it's more about the feeling and well-being, as you just said. Yeah, it's more important. Um, and also, you said that, you know, also since you became father uh, years ago, you know, you kind of shifted the priority, less being a competitive runner, more kind of, you know, running in the moment, running in the present. So how was that for you, that shift, you know, from, from you know, running and also while you're doing that, um, that work and then becoming a father? Like uh, literally yeah. another full-time job parallel. That's another full-time job, being a father and, and, a, and a husband is, uh, how to say, that's the new chapter. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, so that chapter, that's chapter three, would then go till becoming exactly. a father. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, founding a family, uh, taking then responsibilities to another level. Uh, and it, it is also marking, I will, I will come back to answer your question on that, but just to, to tell you, uh, until that moment, let's say for 15, 16 years, that was chapter three lasting. Mm -hmm. Yes. I had also huge expectation in terms of my capacity to change the society. And mm -hmm. then I gained some experience, I matured, I revised a little bit my expectations, or I tried to do different things differently. So this is why I could basically take the step back, professionally speaking, still being much more, uh, still being very active and focused on what I do. But then it was also time to think about uh, your own dose of happiness by also having a lifetime partner, by sharing, uh, you know, everything then and, and 
all good or bad things of, of life with your wife and becoming a father. Mm. Uh, this, is this is really something. So professionally speaking, and also regarding training and workouts, it was quite a huge change for me because instead of being focused only on, on three, four professional works or hobbies or activities, all of a sudden you have an equally and even more important thing for you, which is, you know, you're, uh, for, you mentioned being a father, you have that small, uh, wonderful human being, you know, that is here, that, that needs you on a daily basis. And yes. <laughs> like you, at you, like uh, the only role model in life. You know, and uh, so yeah, it, it it brings a lot of things to a to, to a different level. It gives new perspective to to things, and it's very interesting. I'm still uh, learning. Yes, I mean before before you became father, um, just to keep you close at one chapter, um, you said you know this is was also the chapter where you kind of worked for nine to five as well. You know, in, in economic development, um, started founding also the, the Sari Half Marathon. Um, but how would you call that chapter? Chapter three. Till uh, you became father. Uh, before, yeah, that chapter three was really a very intense application of chapter of learnings in chapter one, uh, in chapter one and two. It was really a hands-on experience uh, in, in transferring a lot of theoretical, a lot of any other sort of knowledge information into then really working two three jobs in the same time same time trying to transform the society in which i was living so I, i'm still looking for the best possible formulation for the chapter three but it would really definitely have hard work in that it would definitely having uh, applying lessons in there and and i, I can feel it's not too much to say uh, transforming the society. It was Forming. I was really yeah transforming the society mm -hmm. in which I was living, and uh, it was more than a full time. It was a, a lifelong mission for those fifteen years non nonstop. It was a nine to nine job. <laughs> now that yeah, twenty four yeah yes. Exactly, because you would finish the full-time job. Then as I was also managing the NGO Mar Marathon, Sarajevo Marathon Association, I would work on that. Then I would have some consultancy assignment or, or some motivational speaking jobs or some work for media. It was crazy, really. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge investment. Transforming the society, chapter three. Nice. Yeah. So, so chapter four. A whole yeah. new chapter, a whole new challenge, but a, a lot of happiness uh, in your yeah, life. Exactly, exactly. Tell, chapter tell me what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what can I read in this chapter? Hey, this chapter can be called "Becoming a Wise Man." Becoming a wise man. Okay. Yes. Uh, it means that it's still in process. I cannot claim that I became a wise man, but I'm really. I definitely see the shapes of where the next point will be or how it will be looking like. I see different internal transformations in me. Uh, I see, you know, just how the energy and the things I do are now balanced. And uh, also uh, becoming a wise man, how to say. Uh, 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 and there is also another part, but maybe we don't yet need to put it in the title as I am still living that chapter. 
but it's also a kind of new level of responsibility because then you really have respons individual responsibility towards the, the family, especially towards the child that is looking at you and uh, how to say, it's expecting from you to show him the, uh, the way through, through, through life. Mm -hmm. Be also a role model. Exactly, um, exactly. Yes. And, uh, it's all but easy, so it's nice now. He's four years old. This is still you play with him, etc. But you know, as he will be growing older, kids are very children are very smart, and they noticed every single. If at any time you have kind of irregularity, you know, saying one thing but doing another one, they will correct you. They wait for you, and uh, <laughs> from that perspective, I mean, you know, it can only make you a, a even better human being. Yes, you said that chapter should be called Becoming a Wise Man. So in this last few years, what did yeah. you learn about yourself? That uh, I'm, I'm really becoming, uh, from being a person that is going only to extremes, I'm, I'm uh, when I think in terms of, for example, my own investment of time, of energy, dedication, of everything, becoming a wise man, it really means balancing all those things, you know. So now having, of course, being fully dedicated to, to work, which I still find extremely great and rewarding from all perspectives, where I still grow as a human, but that's a work. It's not okay if it lasts seven days in a week. That's okay. If it's not, not, it doesn't need to be until 10 p.m. every day, etc. So becoming just more balanced in those different areas of work, and then working less. When I see working less, it's let's say putting lot, lightly, a little bit less efforts than in the previous period. Uh, but the previous period, my batteries was at really 200%, you know, that's the age where you are just bursting. But here, uh, working working smarter, in, uh, because with experience that I gained, now I can identify much better which situations, which persons are worth of my time or energy investment, which are not, uh, you know, much better because by accumulating such high uh, number of experiences in parallel, I've seen so many things that, you know, now much more in advance, I know for the majority of situation, of course, how they can possibly end up. So I can moderate and adapt my approach. I can support more some, let's say, requests or startups or projects and support not at all some others because I know they are going into some direction where I have been before, and then they, it's not worth investing any time, at least at, at least at this point. So from the, from that perspective, this is this is a great chapter to live. Also, I have to say, and uh, because there is uh, slightly less pressure and struggle on a daily basis, but I really start uh, collecting fruit from uh, heavy and uh, permanent investments that I made in previous. 15, 20 years, you know, mm. both on improving myself and on investing myself into various aspects of the society here. Mm -hmm. so, so this is it. And I feel more of inner peace. Uh, uh, and that's good because when I bring that in me, it means that wherever I am, I will be, I, it will be okay. Mm. You know, a lot of people are saying, okay, I need to go away from Bosnia to be happy. Mm -hmm. or I need to be in Germany to be happy because it will be 
bring me this or that. Uh, I'm learning to be happy where, where I am. <laughs> I can, with me. Yeah, I mean, even if you, let's say, Germany or any other country, you know, it can be also the opposite. You know, it's not necessarily, exactly. I mean, everyone is individual, you know, it's an individual as well in the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I remember last year when I moved back to Germany, it's not necessarily the, the straightforward, easy answer, you know, I mean, it also depends of, as you said, you know, from the past experience, you know, if you lived so many years abroad and your network abroad, the people abroad, the different cultures you face, you know, you're learning also become a global citizen. And perhaps sometimes the, the, the location is not necessarily defined of where you should live, but maybe where you just are at the moment. <laughs> and that is very important as well. I mean, you can be connected to so many people around the world, still be at that place, but somehow you're living and working with people around the world um, and not just be defined by where you are at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So that, that inner peace, what you said, um, would you would you say that inner peace is something which you also pass over to now to the sport as well uh to the, your running school um Sarajevo half marathon community on the learnings from it uh honestly i think so because really in all in all our interactions with other people we we, we radiate outside what we feel inside and how we feel and in past five, 10 years, a lot of things have changed. Uh, I felt really broken inside when, uh, when it was around the war time. And right after that, it took me so many years to, to, to reconstruct and to rebuild, uh, to understand some processes, to accept some situations and some uh, things. But now, and especially in recent several years, it's really much different in time, just happily radiating around me uh, and whoever wants to, to follow that path, he's more, he, he, he is more than welcome. I'm uh, less judging myself and less judging others. And, uh, you know, just trying to help where it's possible and to do what is possible. And in that way, I'm saying that, that that's the way towards inner peace and then becoming more wise man. Because also in the same time, you know, if you cannot really help others, if they are not ready to get help, and if they have not done some preparatory work and if they, they have not prepared the ground to, to plant seeds. And mm. also, so from that perspective, it's uh, it, it, it's different. So I just, just, just feeling better. Beautiful, yeah. I mean, you, you said this chapter is an ongoing chapter as well, where you're living in, you know, becoming a wise man. What did you hope to, to learn more, to gain? We're just thinking a little bit more ahead now, a little bit in the future. Uh -huh. Yeah, picking a little bit more ahead and also all things that I just described you, okay. I feel that these are things that on, on which it's still being worked out, you know, these are not yet finished and completed situations. So for all of these things and areas, uh, I can be at a, at a higher point that will be uh, where I will feel better and, and that I will be even bigger degree, degree and bigger dose of inner peace, bigger you know, so that's still work in progress, but also on the other hand, uh, uh, how to say, I also hope to, uh, how to put it rightly, uh, either because of the news, but 
world seems seems to becoming again uh, how to say a little bit challenging place to live so i hope also that i will be having my own perspective that will be even more quiet or uh, uh, that it will less disturb me or less affect me you know because now whatever news you are looking at it's quite okay news are made to be clicked on to be <laughs> etc you know to create some kind of sensations mm. but uh you know, my impression is that slowly but surely people are somehow becoming more superficial, more uh, less willing to work hard to achieve something, etc., etc. So, which is slightly less, uh, sorry, more distanced with my chapter one values and uh, life principles, etc. So, just that I will be better able to accept all of that and still not judge and still be able to help whoever would be needing help at some point. So these are more small details, you know, and then of course there is a certain kind of duty and responsibility over the child when you are a parent, you know, what, what you are always trying then to think in the best interest of the, of the, uh, of your child, of your family, what to do, where to be. So there are you know, new situation, new chapters are bringing new new interrogation points, but I'm just feeling much more calm uh-huh. and uh, ready to advance and being able to wait also now for some situation if it's not coming immediately what I'm thinking that it should come. Uh, so it's uh, I'm just appreciating more everything that I have in life. Mm-hmm. So it's like the life values you want to pass over also to your to your youngster as well. I mean, being patient, you know, uh, kindness is also kind of a great skill set in order to make the right decisions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are right. <laughs> but it's right, often right. easier said than done, you know. I mean, often, you know, in very stressful situations, what we're supposed to, you know, how, how we're supposed to react is usually not the way how we react in reality. Exactly, uh, exactly. So- so for, for someone who kind of have built um, um, a running community, you know, over the last few years, how do you cope with COVID now? And how is your running community in Sarajevo doing? Uh, uh, COVID has, this is one of uh, groups or activities that was maybe hit the hardest by COVID because what runners love the most, these are gatherings, it's being together, it's going traveling to running events, and none of that is possible. So. From that perspective, it was a huge shock, first of all, because everybody hoped it would just last for three to six months. And then by the winter 2020, we will be all enjoying again and going to marathons. And now we see that, you know, even half or even more of the next year can be uh, dangerously affected still by COVID. So from that perspective, it was a shock. On the other hand, also still, you know, runners are strong mentally often and strong physically and we luckily this is what helped us going through because I see a lot of community members found ways to keep training or to go to the mountains to train in smaller groups to while taking necessary precautions uh, we kept the running club active uh, but we had maybe 40 percent of people that would have been there normally so it, all running events and, and races were purely and simply cancelled because we already have quite big big size events in the country gathering several thousand people and uh, etc so yeah it was a how to say it was a big and sudden stop but in the same time being in the life period where I am uh, 
I will now look at this with more philosophy and let's see what good things we can do because as I as I can cannot change the world, cannot change the COVID. Let's see what positive thing and, 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 and conclusions we can draw from that. That's the only way we can yes. and we can we can influence, you know, how, how I react and position myself towards that. So Very I'm not sure. yeah. ang angry, I cannot change it, but let's see <laughs> what can be done. Exactly. How. You cannot change the situation. So how you react to that is is, is important. Exactly. Um, step to think of. I mean, I keep seeing on Instagram um, some nice pictures now of your running community. You know, slowly, you know, starting again. But at least, you know, I can see there is some kind of life as well. And 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 for example, yes. even today, I got that email from May as well. You know, where I saw that uh, that great Beirut Marathon video as well, where you actually, you know, not. Uh, where you are actually supporting also, you know, with your video as well, and as yes, a representative yes. from the Sarajevo Half Marathon community, um, the Bayer Marathon as well. So it's, you know, it's a community who will never die, but at the same time, you know, who is currently like preparing for the best in a few future years as well. And runners never stop running at the end of the day. Yes, yes, yes. All right. We never stop and we are always ready to support good causes and, uh, and, uh, that's why it was obvious in all uh, all difficult moments that Lebanon and Beirut had this year and also last year with the with political economic crisis and the fall of government and the impossibility to organize the last year's marathon. Mm -hmm. uh, we simply had to be there and to, to, to provide all kind of support that we have because yes. it might have been any of us or tomorrow it can be any of us. So, I mean, I'm very full of compassion really for them. Yes. Um, I want to slowly wrap up now, but I have yes. very few questions uh, still, which I'm very curious to know your answer. You know, in, in every book you're having this kind of copyright section, you know, don't copy this, otherwise you have to ask uh, the author. Or sometimes also in the book, you know, in the very end, it says, you know, kind of final words, you know, some kind of messages, some lessons uh, the writer wants to give to the reader. Um, what lessons, learnings do you want to give the reader after they finish reading your book? Uh, what kind of lessons? Uh, yeah, that could be several kind of situations or life lessons that, that came to me at beginning or end of all, all those different chapters, you know, that they are just, when I followed, when I did a couple of uh, decisions and, and taking different life paths or keeping some kind of approach to, to things that really helped me growing in life that would be a couple of principles uh, I don't have them written in advance but they are re really obvious first of all would be just to take everything that I say with some precautions because we are all different mm. would be really to trust the most their inner self what they feel inside what their intuition is telling to them, what, the, what their heart is telling to them that is right, right thing to do, mm -hmm. rather than what the, the, the family thinks. What You know, sometimes you can be uh, closed or restricted by love. People that love you, they will be giving you advices, what to do, what not to do, by care of you. But really, some, whatever you feel inside that it's the right thing to do, you should push to that. I'm convinced of that. Uh, secondly, for what I would say, life is always rewarding the courage. 
when you have the courage to be authentic, to stand up for you, to stand up for others, to fight for some causes, to follow your path, might, might it be the craziest thing at that moment? Later on, you will realize that it was exactly what you needed to do. But uh, it would be, you know, really to not to hesitate to 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 take some bold choices in life sometimes. Mm. Yeah, uh, taking the leap or taking the, the opportunity or going out of the comfort zone is also a very, very important step. I mean, Ronas itself learned that on a daily basis as well. You are right. You are uh, reading in advance my lessons. <laughs> that would definitely be the next one. And uh, also, the, the, as, as I like to say, the hard work beats talents. You know, when you are really working hard, you can achieve every every single situation in life, and over on, on the longer run, you, you simply cannot how to say cannot not succeed in whatever is your undertaking in life. If you invest three, five, seven years into something, whatever is that, learning a skill, uh, playing an instrument, mastering one discipline, mastering one topic in in the economy, in marketing, whatever is that. But it takes time. There are cycles. Things cannot be done overnight. But if you are willing to do what you said, to going to be going out of your comfort zone, you are simply putting much more efforts than others, and it will pay off. Mm. No, it can pay, it can't pay off in one year, maybe in two, but in five, six, seven. You know, looks for example, look at for example at your own continued. Uh, learning activities and helping others. You started in the UK for many years, mm. then you had some other experiences, then you did the same in Dubai, now you do the same in Germany. But each previous experience is strengthening and reinforcing the next one, you know, exactly. and the next one gets better. Then the next one is feeding and strengthening this one. And this is exactly what what uh, what is my point, you know, and uh, Sometimes it's a, it's a needed transition as well, you know, that one learning from one chapter you p take with you to the next chapter, but then you... Exactly, you, 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 exactly. exactly. and you had no clue yeah. in the beginning of the chapter where that one would end up. Correct. That's, that's one of the great things in life also. <laughs> exactly. If you plan everything, then it would be boring. But in the end of the day, when you look back, you know, you're connecting the dots, then it makes all a little bit more sense. Because in, inside yourself, you know, your gut feeling always leads you to the right direction. Uh, if you, even if you don't see the path in front of you right yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. And then also, I am really big fan of traveling, of connecting with others. And uh, I would also say to people, you know, just to, to travel as much as they can. Uh, I, 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 I was marked one day in my life when I was reading, you know, that confessional autobiography of one nurse that was uh, accompanying, uh, being with the people that were dying, you know, and the lady was uh, taking their last messages. Nobody was saying, I regret I was not working two times harder or more, but they said, you know, I regret not saying to some persons I love them or not traveling more, not having more emotion and great experiences in life. And that's basically what the, the, the purpose why I'm not saying you should neglect everything and live until tomorrow doesn't exist, you know. Mm, <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but being, uh, 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 having certain kind of sense, certain kind of logic in your life, but within that, 
not be uh, a slave of anything and certainly not of accumulating material things. We don't bring them with us when we leave the, this life, this world, with, uh, however people see things <laughs> after. But, you know, it's about really accumulating experiences because different experiences, this is what changes you. This is what makes you better person, wiser person, more tolerant person. And it helps you living and it helps you also helping other people. And I think it's very important. Yeah, it's very interesting what you just said. You know, it's, it's, it helps other people. Um, your experience actually is a, it's an asset for other people. It's life mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's not just for yourself. It's the same as also when you collect objects. Objects are replaceable, but your own assets, your own learnings are transferable as well for the people yeah. around you or the community right. sooner or later. Yeah. Lovely. Great. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, Let's imagine I have your book, I finished reading your book, I'm closing the chapter. And I remember in the very beginning of our conversation, you said that potentially the title of the book should be finding your full potential. Is that still the, the title or have you a different title in your mind about your whole autobiography book? To be honest with you, I think I would keep it. It's a nice title. <laughs> I would keep it as well. <laughs> it's a nice title, <laughs> finding your full potential. <laughs> yeah. That uh, this is it. I was, you know, hesitating, but this this one uh, is coming first. But the second one would be something about, you know, uh, uh, loving yourself to better love others. Also, it could be the title. But uh, this one. I, Content is identical almost, but I'm just thinking about two different, but let's keep the first one because this is what came first to my, to my yes. mind. I'm, I'm a big believer of that kind of uh, first instance and first instinct, what, what came yeah. up first. The first thought, the first gut feeling is the, yeah, the direct exactly, exactly. decision. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so now with all this COVID-19 uh, or the pandemic, you know, going on, did you do you plan any next races anytime soon or later or did you decide you know let's let's wait <laughs> for a while <laughs> i by the force of things it's a kind of let, let's wait uh, i got race number for chicago marathon for mm -hmm. 2020 and then when they asked when do you want to postpone it i said let's postpone it for 2022 okay so that's safe that's safe and i'm still considering 2021 that it will be kind of transitional year even if you do things i think a lot of things will be not at all like it used to be before uh so let's wait i literally have no running event in my calendar for 2021 although i'll be happy to go around and to see what's possible but now all those running events also are very much related to visiting friends and and, and nice people that we have around the world so i will see if they have some running events so it will be a pleasure to see at the same time some good friends and uh, and to run yes spontaneous runs are the best runs yeah, which you, exactly, you know don't exactly. plan ahead etc and then get disappointed i think this in these times <laughs> you know you need to learn to to enjoy the moment more than you know being disappointed and in case you plan another thing which get cancelled yeah exactly. Great. All right, Errol, um, I want to end that conversation. Thank, thank you so much for your time. I mean, it was lovely actually having a live conversation with you direct into your office. Uh, I did not have that before. Um, <laughs> now there is someone directly into the office. But it, it's lovely um, speaking with you. Um, 
And thank you for your time, Errol. Um, you are welcome. The pleasure is mine also. I enjoyed very much, not only because you are a true friend and a wonderful person, but also it obliged me to reflect on my own life, to on some priorities. So I really feel re-energized now after the conversation and not tired at all. Perfect. I will I put this. I will put uh, talking about you know what what the public feels. Also, I will put the show note uh, in the show notes. Also, the links to the um, sorry sorry Eva Half Marathon, also for the Beirut Marathon. You know everything will be discussed will be seen in the show notes and be accessible. All right, perfect. Thank you so much, Errol, and hey, stay healthy. Thank you. Take care. See you next year. Let's hope so. We don't sure. know yet where, but let's see each other. And thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Wow, isn't that inspiring? You might listen to that with just a few more days before Christmas, during Christmas, even after. But just the learnings will inspire and get us new clarity for the new year ahead. If you want to know anything more about Errol, um, I'm adding the links in the show notes on the website for his LinkedIn page where you can read more about his businesses but also about the half marathon sorry wish you all Merry Christmas have a blessed time with your family stay social connected but at the same time social distanced stay healthy and see you next time never give up always look up